caught up. Hey, live from Salt Lake City, this is Heart of the Matter. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, and truly excited, been excited. Actually, I've been talking about this for quite a while, and I've been cajoling and pushing, and finally I was able to corral our guest tonight to break out and make some time. He's not a night guy, he's a morning guy. And uh, I hope anyone who has a question about Catholicism will uh, call in, present it in the second hour, and uh, online questions, of course, you can type those in and uh, be respectful and uh, d whatever question I know uh, Christopher he does not shy away from anything and he shoots straight but uh, we'll get to Father Christopher Gray of the Cathedral of the Madeline in Salt Lake City uh, he'll join us shortly two things heart in the parking lot uh, open water baptism and wiener roast Sunday June 29th and uh, that's 12 noon here at campus Bring an appetite, bring a towel uh, if you're going to be baptized and uh, change of clothes. Secondly, next week here on Heart of the Matter, we're going to begin a three-part interview with a woman from Orange County, California. She came out and her name is Christy Johnson and she's been in the news lately around these parts. Uh, she uh, tells a brutal, uh, it's really quite a tragic, brutal, shameful story, but the payoff is remarkable at the end on the third part. The whole thing's interesting. So that's next week, part one right here on Heart of the Matter. Uh, okay, the subject and person at hand. Uh, Father Christopher Gray, uh, Cathedral of the Madeline, which is located downtown. It's one of the most beautiful religious edifices in the state. Uh, uh, the cathedral, I mean, not Father Gray, though he, he's beautiful too. He's concomitant with the, uh, the whole thing. And uh, he's employed in the work of God there. And uh, now I grew up as a Mormon uh, reading and listening uh, to Bruce R. McConkie of the Mormon faith who unabashedly at one point uh, wrote that the Catholic Church was in fact the whore of Babylon. And uh, so that's what is mentioned in Revelation. Of course, McConkie was so wrong. Uh, even it, it, it's just absolutely wrong relative to what the Bible says the whore of Babylon is. But anyway, uh, and so I left Mormonism, and then we moved into Protestant evangelicalism, and it wasn't much better. The, the evangelicals, they, they became uh, even harder. I mean, Catholics are not Christians. Catholics are going to hell. Uh, Catholics are all about money, and you guys are going to have your eyes open tonight on that one, because I have had my eyes opened on it. And uh, Catholics have a different gospel. What's interesting about that is that uh, not a different Jesus. The Catholics and the Protestants, the evangelicals, essentially share, I mean, they believe in the Trinity. So they agree on, on those things. And in, in, in fact, uh, Catholics have more in common with most Protestants than what Protestants have with the liberal Protestant segment. So that makes no sense, does it? And yet the Catholics are all bad. I mean, he knows, and, and we've had many discussions about the general reputation within religion of Catholicism. I mean, we have the ties to the mafia. We have all the stuff. You know, Catholics believe in the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the virgin birth, uh, Christ's infinite atonement, uh, eternal afterlife punishment, innumerable agreements on sin. They believe in holy living. They believe in self-sacrifice. They certainly believe in discipline, and uh, I 
am blown away by the discipline that is expected of a Catholic if they really are going to live their faith. And that's embodied in my friend and uh, Father Christopher tonight. So uh, they have so much in common. So what's the gig with the Catholics? And especially among the zealous evangelicals, when, what, what is the big problem? Well, of course, some of the uh, apparently ungodly things that come out, and you know them. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this stuff, but uh, Protestants say the Bible is our authority, and the Catholics say we hold the Bible and our oral traditions and uh, history as our authority. Now, uh, really, this is sheer comedy. We've had Protestants on this stage who say, appeal to church history, appeal to church history to get your definition of what the Bible is saying. And that's all they're saying, too. So when they say, you know, we just take the Bible, sola scriptura, and that's all we use, it is baloney. Protestants use church history ad nauseum to justify uh, their stances, and those are the teachings of men. So, of course, there's Mariology and Immaculate Conception and the Pope wears hats that have funny words on it and all that stuff. Well, I'm sitting in Einstein's bagelry uh, a number of months ago, could have been a year ago as far as I know, and sitting across the room is this bearded Catholic dude, collar and all. He's younger than me, and instantly I got McConkey. I got the Protestants. I'm like, that dude, he thinks I'm going to call him father. He's younger than me. And, and so over the few months, we start to exchange pleasantries. He's super polite. I mean, this guy is like refined in his politeness. Still, to this day, we're good friends. Still to this day, he will come up and say, may I sit? That's what he says before he sits down. No one does that anymore. He actually asks me if he can sit. And we sit every morning almost. But he still keeps the politeness going. It's amazing to me. And over the few months we started to talk and um and i became friends with how they say it in pennsylvania a catholic i became with the catholic i became friends with the catholic and something begins to happen in me and the catholic that i was able to become friends with was not just some guy who yeah i'm a catholic this is a gift in my life He's a gift in my life. He is, uh, he explains things to me and he knows his stuff. He explains yeah. it. He knows the history. He speaks Latin. He's been, I mean, I'm gonna let him tell you about himself. Add into the fact that this happens to be a guy who not only can explain it, but he takes holy living very seriously. We have heart to hearts. This is a friend thing where we have a, a little bit of a confidence and we talk. He takes it seriously. Now, I, I don't care who you are. If you take your faith seriously, there is something to be said about that. And I am just so happy to uh, have him on the show. My established views of Catholics and Catholicism have been based on half-truths. They've been based on inflammatory rhetoric. And I joined years ago the crowd of us versus them and automatically just threw up those walls. He's a Catholic, oh God, come on, you know. So there probably are few people who are diff more different in their 
approach to the faith than me, a Christian anarchist, and this faithful, dutiful Catholic man. But nevertheless, uh, I welcome you, my friend. Uh, let me sort of begin to direct the conversation. Thank you for being on the air, Father Christopher Gray. I really appreciate it. He can be hilarious. He can be acerbic. He can speak things you're not going to get. Uh, so just hang on. Uh, tell us about you, origins, uh, where you came from, uh, parents, siblings, interest as a kid, and after that, we'll go from there. All right. Thank you, Sean, so much. I am really honored. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know who this is. Okay, I guess, I guess it's you. I'm trying to do these things. In fact, I am trying to do what you describe. That is, say, I'm attempting it, not succeeding, but attempting. Because I think it's important, and I think it is worthwhile. And that is kind of the basis for the idea of vocation for me. That this kind of life, whether it be politeness or an attempt at integrity is worth something and not just because it's useful but because hopefully it may give glory to God mm. and that is the basis the beginning the end of all the things I'm not so huge on the soul is of the Protestants but I am all about the only glory to God that I am in favor of mm. okay so being dutiful and following your instructions <laughs> I assure you I am docile and happy to be so. I will gladly tell you about myself. I'm just some guy. <laughs> from where? Oh, right. I'm from here. Uh, that is to say, bountiful. But not really. So like most Utahns, I'm actually from California. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was born in Stockton, came here really young, mm -hmm. father working for the government, a weatherman. Mm -hmm. and having a very normal childhood, I think, except that my mother is Spanish, so I spent my summers in Spain in her hometown. Yeah. And that was kind of it. And once again, very normal, except I was Catholic in Utah and going to Catholic school. I went to St. Olaf school when I was very, very young. After going to uh, Mrs. Whoever's preschool around the block, my mother has this great story about that one time when Mrs. Whoever was saying, there are people in our neighborhood, they're very bad. They drink wine mm. and they're called Catholics. <laughs> and apparently I go home to my folks and say, oh, Mrs. Whoever was saying that there are blah, 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 blah. And my mom, loving it, eating it up, says, your father drinks wine. We are Catholics. <laughs> and so she goes the next day with brownies for everyone and says, we are Catholics enjoy the brownies and we have a wonderful time after that and wow. this is whoever never says that again at least not while I'm there wow. so that's preschool postulate man the apostolate <laughs> preach it so went to elementary school in Bountiful St. Olaf like I say really enjoying it loving the days when like traffic cones show up on the head of the statue of St. Olaf that's out in front of the school <laughs> Or when, like, he's wearing polka dot capes and whatnot. Were you ever one to do that? No, oh, but no, it was okay. really fun to laugh at that. <laughs> and the kids no, I was, I was I was never inventive enough. Oh. No, I was the guy who was on the playground developing new and more interesting ways to hurt each other. Ah, got it. So, got it. <laughs> that, was, that was a whole never story, but it was, it was great. It was great. High school? High school. I, the important things in, in those early years, really important things. Um, important thing number one, my parents insisted on 
me taking piano lessons. Mm -hmm. And I had a sequence of piano teachers, not all of them were awesome, but one of them in particular taught me a lot about how to be a real person of integrity, how to be a man. And she was really spectacular. She was hard as nails. She was simply awful. I dreaded going to my lesson because it was never good enough and it was never going to be. And being okay with that was an important moment of my life, mm. of simply applying all myself and going for it. To help it, she also had this piano that I would play on at the lessons, and it had this super stiff action mm. that I had to just dig into so hard. I was never really particularly athletic. My brother, my older brother, took care of that pretty well. I could never achieve like he did, so why bother? But that really took a lot out of me physically and emotionally it also had a toll and psychologically. But I think intellectually the fruits of it were very, very strong and I am eternally grateful to her. At the same time I was also doing music at the Madeline Choir School. So this thing here, the Cathedral of the Madeline, where I am hanging out these days, in the early 90s there was this really very cool, groovy thing going on in the Catholic world, but only here in Salt Lake City, not in other places, that was the creation of something called a choir school, which is a super old-fashioned thing. The choir school as an idea begins with like Alcuin and the court of Charlemagne. You teach the kids some stuff, you get them to sing in the chapel, works well for everyone, more people learn how to read, and there's music. It's great. It's the beginning of the Carolingian Renaissance. Well, we had our own little renaissance like that here in Salt Lake City. And I was one of those choristers I was singing in the choir. And so my perspective of religion being practiced in the Catholic way is pretty rarefied because I experienced it from the Latin, the music, the Mozart, the everything, all those things, Palestrina, Victoria, a point in the history of the world that was much more concerned with beauty for the sake of glorifying God mm. than for the sake of making money. Mm. Last night, oh, I was thinking about Monteverdi's Vespers. In 1610, Claudio Monteverdi, the guy who invented opera, wrote a really long form office, which is exceptionally long, which is not to be done. It's, why would you ever do that in real life as prayer? Mm -hmm. However, he just writes it because it's beautiful and it's a way for him of worship, I think, and he does some things in there which are really beautiful. And I wouldn't have that kind of experience and all the other things that come from that in the aesthetic world, mm -hmm. except through that, through the Madeline Choir School. Mm -hmm. And I am also eternally thankful to the director of the choir school, Mr. Gregory Glenn, mm -hmm. who was also my best theology teacher, I want to say ever, but I've had some really great theology teachers at the super level where I finished up. But <clears throat> his exposition of the faith, of that thing which is called Christianity in history and the various ways it changes and develops and the ups and the downs and the downs and the other things was really exciting and interesting. Mm. And at that point, I went into high school. Wow. Then it was really boring. I, I went imagine. to high school here, I went to Judge, 
you know, it's a good school, I guess. I liked it. It was okay. Choir? Whatever. Yeah, I continued at the choir school, so that continued. Music? Yes, absolutely. AP Music, Cassie Olson, <laughs> why I wasn't the valedictorian. <laughs> did I ever tell you this story? You did. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Cassie. Yeah. Cassie. Cassie Olson. Yeah. And Grieg's Piano Concerto, and I didn't do my homework last night, and I'd be glad to do your homework today, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. I hope she, I hope. I bet you find Maybe her someday she'll watch again. Something. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> anyway, so high school, I finished up high school, and, and high school was definitely great. But leaving high school, one of my really awesome teachers, who is among judge students, especially of my years, universally like everyone's favorite teacher, Mrs. Linda Simpson, mm. the nicest, most heartwarming, beautiful person lovely, awesome, wonderful person, so inspiring, so encouraging, Presbyterian, mm -hmm. who actually invited me to like think about John Calvin once, and I thought, uh, <laughs> I love you, Mrs. Simpson, but not Calvin. <laughs> uh, and, and she was on the board of this wonderful newspaper, and I have to say that because the current editor might be watching uh, but I'm not saying it because I have to, obviously, <laughs> but the newspaper, The Intermountain Catholic, it's, which it seems like, well, that's kind of fake, isn't it? No, 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 no. The Intermountain Catholic is Utah's oldest independent newspaper, non-Mormon owned. 1899, began publishing, and has done in its day a number of really fun reporting. Like when Lavelle Edwards retired, he told us. <laughs> Wow. In, order, in order to snub the other people. Uh, and wow. I, I was there for that. So she was on the board of this thing, and she said, this is like the fall after finishing up in high school, I was already at the University of Utah, I want you to consider a job. I'd like you to maybe think about writing for them. And so I began writing part-time, and I began doing the tech stuff, and I began doing some editing stuff. And that was the 2000s. <coughs> It was in that context that I was at the Catholic Church in the diocese, in the administration-ish of the church, at least close enough to the administration of the, of the Catholic Church in Utah to see, once again, the ups and the downs, mm -hmm. the good and the bad, mm -hmm. just the way it was and how it was being dealt with, and that's the way, that's the way it happens. Fantastic and, and it's a very real kind of and authentic and certainly an education. Mm -hmm. And it was in that context that Especially at the beginning, I thought, I don't know. In the elementary school, in choir school, in high school, I was that guy who definitely thought about maybe I could be a priest someday. Certainly within the Catholic context, was always there. And as a young man, I was definitely thinking about that. But I also realized really early on that that is not the best way to make friends because that immediately gets you laughed at mm -hmm. in a Catholic school mm -hmm. and so I kind of like put that aside in the choir school I was like the super chorister mm -hmm. and, uh, and and when I when my, my, my voice broke I wasn't the super chorister anymore but I was definitely like the super choir school students wow. and and even then they they certainly had a they made fun of that mm -hmm. <clears throat> if my if a, if, if my classmate, my almost classmate, Mike Glenn, were here. He might sing you a song he wrote once about me and clergy things. It is something like the Pope of the entire world and 
but the important part being of the entire world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, fun times, hilarious times in the past. In high school, that was definitely a super no-no. Absolutely not. Totally not considering that, but kind of doing it. When I was a senior, I went on a college visit to the seminary where we in Salt Lake City, in the Diocese of Salt Lake City, which, by the way, is coextensive with the state of Utah. It's the same thing. Just what we call it. Uh, where we send our students. That's Mount Angel in Oregon. And I was appalled by what I saw. I found the students to be very poor, the classes to be very silly, generally to be a waste of time. And it also happened to be my 18th birthday, and there I was in the most boring place in the universe. It was terrible. And I said, absolutely no way. No, absolutely not. In that context, I began working for the church as a writer, as a technologist, editing the paper, kind of, and more, and progressing farther. And it was also in the midst of that, it was the, the Olympics in 2002, when for the first time I really kind of sat down with myself and said, okay, what are we about? What are we doing? The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. You know, and it, was, it were these psalms I remember singing in the choir school, mm. the, the, these terrifying little memes of text mm. that I, I couldn't escape it. I realized, no, I do love Jesus more. And I love Jesus more in this way. I want to serve him in this way. Mm. And that means I have to change my life. It means I have to suck it up. It means I have to do whatever they ask me to do. There's a process here. Mm-hmm. And do it. Tell us the process. So, assuming that there's already some college involved, most men who become seminarians, that's what we call it, a seminarian is a man who is in formation to become a priest, already come with some college behind them, either with a degree or with a little bit of experience, and fine, that's how it is. So, I already came with college. Mathematics, Spanish, University of Utah, whatever. I began in something called pre-theology, which was a quick course to supply a philosophy degree without the general education things. Mm -hmm. So in two years, just the philosophy courses. And this would put me on track with the same other guys, with the other guys who were there, who were doing college as a philosophy degree and doing philosophy and the general education to get a BA. Mm. At the end of that, I was given a marvelous opportunity and the first time in many years for any of the priests here in Salt Lake City to do my theology studies in Rome. And that was very, very cool because for the first time in my life, I was very much not the smartest man in the room. And I don't mean to say that to be proud. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was always bright. I could, you know, run with the, run with the big guys, but this was different. Now I was playing catch up, a lot of catch up. So there's a philosophy portion of four years a theology portion of four years. That's what we envision our priests going through. I did two years of supply philosophy because I already had a college degree. 
then four years, except five years, except actually seven years of theology in Rome. So in the Roman system, the pontifical degree system, there are all these universities and colleges in Rome specialized in different things. For the first cycle of theology, the general theology, theology in general, I went to a place called the Gregorian University. This is something rather cool and important and a lot of people go to the Gregorian University. You know, a lot of people are very proud of it. A lot of people are also kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I went there. But it's also what it is. So it was founded in 1553 by Ignatius of Loyola, St. Ignatius, as something called the Roman College. It was really cool. You didn't have to pay to go there. It was free. And it was pretty much cheap as free when I was going there too. It was like 1,700 euro for a year of tuition at what is now a graduate level. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think, incredible. Like, the, the, these things cost so much elsewhere, but in Rome, they're like, yeah, sure, anyone can come, it's great. Mm -hmm. And there we were in this huge classroom, and it was Asia and Africa and America, and of course, all the Europeans in there mixed up in the room. And we, the Americans, always took the windows because we could open them. And the professors would come in. I had this one professor who immediately coming in, very, very Italian, hot summer day wearing a scarf and a jacket and another jacket on top of that and his poodle. It was, it was, it was very, very odd. Many impossible personalities that one could not imagine being in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Would always say, close the windows, close the windows. He would make this weird hand signal <laughs> and we would begrudgingly close the windows. And I had fantastic professors. Yeah. Uh, in their particular areas in theology, in their specializations, all of them top-notch. Very, very smart people. Mm. One of my favorite professors was my Psalms professor. Mm. The, so Psalms and wisdom literature professor was amazing. She, Bruna Costa Curta, mm. was so in love with her subject mm. that really awakened again that thing in me, those memes of the Psalms. Mm. The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. And it really did. And some of the crazy people, too, and it was wonderful. After that, I went to a different school for the second cycle of theology for my license. For that, I went to the Pontifical Lateran University. So I was at the Gregorian University, Pontifical Gregorian University first, originally called the Roman College. But there are other colleges in Rome, so can't call it that the Gregorian University, after the Pope who founded it. So Ignatius Loyola founded it, Gregory XIII was the Pope at the time, the Gregorian University, there you go. The Lateran University came about its origin at a time in the 18th century when the Pope, Clement XIV, a weakling, kowtowed to the crown heads of Europe and suppressed the Jesuits. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, his university the Jesuits thing, their place, the Jesuits all disappear in the world, except for in Russia, because the Tsar, actually I think the Tsarina, she didn't care what the Pope said. Whatever, they're fun. And the Jesuits continued on. Well, when the Jesuits were disbanded, the school had to be reformed. And so immediately this other school just showed up and took its place. And that was what became the Lateran University. Mm. So kind of the anti-Gregorian University. Mm. Oh, the Jesuits have problems? No problem. Yeah. We're okay. 
And at that point, I began my specialization course in theology. My specialization is in an area of theology called Christology. So Christology about Christ, the man, the God, how that works together. Also soteriology, how is that in salvation for you, for me, for everyone, mm -hmm. those things. That's my area of specialization, mm -hmm. supposedly. Uh, but the curriculum was certainly wide enough that even in the specialization cycle, I still had a lot of the other so-called dogmatic areas. Mm -hmm. So Trinity, I can talk about, hopefully, and not sound dumb. Mm -hmm. And also ecclesiology, mm -hmm. and also the patristic stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all those fathers and what they're saying about a lot of things and cool things they are saying. I'm going to interrupt for yes. a second. Yes, okay. My, like my story is so boring, Sean. How no, no, are you no, listening we're getting to this? Through it. In my, in my uh, world, which is I meet a lot of people and talk with them, and it's not often that I meet someone who I can't throw something out that they're not familiar with, and usually people can't articulate a response to certain theological ideas. Usually people aren't studied. They just, and they just have their opinion sometimes, or they don't care, or we talk about other things, and that's great, love people. But I have never met someone that can talk ad nauseum about soteriology, about Christology, about the Trinity, about eternal punishment, about the need for marriage, about the need for holiness, about the need for sanctification, justification. I mean, it's endless. Grace. Eschatology. Grace. Grace. Grace, this is, yeah. I mean, it's just, and I'm not blowing uh, up his skirt here or his. I'm wearing pants. <laughs> uh, but I'm not kidding you. And when I realize that this person has put that time in to learn the stuff and could then come back readily with, well, wait a second. No, 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 Sean. He does that sometimes. No, 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 Sean. Look at this now. And you have to sit up and say, okay, whoa, and you start to learn. So continue on. Okay, uh, so can I just make two points there? Make First points. of all, you have never thrown up while we've been talking, so it's not ad nauseum. <laughs> so there. <laughs> See, it's like that. <laughs> I can't even throw in a phrase without being corrected. Okay, and the second point? Uh, yeah, it's just called being good at a Jesuit cocktail party. <laughs> I'm glad that I, I relate to you at that level. <laughs> I'm, I'm the hack that's drunk at the party that's throwing stuff up at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's trying to impress each other. Like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Nah, whatever. No, right. I really enjoy it. Thank you very much. The edu seven years. Yeah. Well, I want to move forward. S after the seven years, then what? I'm here. Hi. The, after the seven years here? Yeah, here I am. Okay. And, and. I'm so working on my doctorate. It's forthcoming someday, I hope. Working I guess. on a doctorate. Okay, uh, that's the educational part. Yes, yeah. All right. Tell us, please. And please explain it like you've explained it to me. Okay. What your daily I life is remember. like. Oh, okay. Ten years you've never missed. Start with that. Ten years you've never missed this certain... An hour of the breviary. An hour of the breviary every morning. Yeah, so let me make sure that like, this, is, this is all actually true. So... Right. The easiest way to talk about my day is to simply talk about it normally. And I don't know how I've talked about it with you before specifically, but I'm sure it was just the truth. And since the truth is always the easiest thing, okay, go ahead. here goes. So in part of the clergy life of the Catholic people, the requirements are a couple, a couple things. 
And the best of them, the most wonderful part, the th part that I love the most, is something called the Divine Office, the Liturgy of the Hours. Divine Office, that is to say, divine duty, work, drudgery, but beautiful though. When I was 11 at the in the choir school, back long time ago, I sang Vespers for the first time. Vespers is one of those hours, the evening one. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And I wanted it more and more Tell our audience what Vespers means. All right, so the Divine Office means you pray some psalms and some other stuff. There's a hymn and a prayer. That's Vespers. And in the case of Vespers, there's also the Canticle of Mary from Luke 2. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That. And the structure of the office is such that it is the liturgy of the hours, that is, say, throughout the day, from the beginning to the end of the day, day by day, every day, the hours. The hours. Now, he's not kidding when he says the hours. No, it's, it's not, I know it it's not mean that long. I know it it's doesn't. not like it hours. It kind of is, because I've seen it. I saw it written out. And uh, now, you know, I don't like anything that has to be structured or religiously or institutional. This is super structure. We're talking about every day, small print, do this, read this, say this, sing this, sing this, pray this, do this, sing this, sing this, say that, do this, sing this. At, the, at this time of day, do this. At this time of day, do that. Wrap up your day with this. Do this at night. And finally, when you're about ready to pass out from lack of oxygen, do this every day. Yes. Why? Because the law of the Lord is perfect, Sean. It refreshes the soul. This is my life. So You've because, chosen it. Yeah, right. This is, this is the cost. This but is one of the costs. You're doing it not only for you. It re refreshes your soul. It does. But it's also a priestly duty for the congregates it uh, right so like how does that happen that the priest on behalf of the people prays and offers sacrifices first begging for his own forgiveness and those of the people after that right right, right. that's what it is yeah i hope you guys are catching this now you may not agree with it but just understand that's what he's saying is that he is firstly cleaning himself up and then he is offering the sacrifice for those and that's the priestly office he is seriously taken on... But not in a pretentious way, right? Not pretentious I'm, at I'm all. Not, no. I'm not claiming to like be that guy from Hebrews. Right. No, I'm just trying to do the best I can. What about the criticism since... We're hey, just... can you talk about the briefing for a bit? Yes, but just one okay, second. Fine. What about the criticism <laughs> about the guy from Hebrews? Uh, what about the criticism that you really shouldn't be doing this because it's been done? It's been done, yeah. right? Yeah. So how do you respond to that one? Ah, uh, but... All right, so questions like this, I really just want to say... But how is it present in the world? We know that it has been done, but how is it being actualized? How do you know? How is it being witnessed today? How am I making my martyrdom of that unless it actually is being done in some way that at least is symbolic? Can we, uh, even if we just take out the whole substance of the thing, there's at least a symbol there. And I think the symbol is worthwhile from an evangelical standpoint. As I say, from a way of preaching in the apostolate, of recalling it is about Christ, and Christ is the Lord. Yeah. So, like, that's how I want to say it immediately. Okay. But then, of course, there's the other part, which is the, yeah, but the way in which it's been given to me vis-a-vis -vis Catholicism says that, no, we actually do this, and we actually believe that it has a substance to it, and it has an effect, and that effect is in grace. In fact, grace that wouldn't be there otherwise. Mm -hmm. And because 
Jesus said so. <laughs> in a very reductive kind of way. Continue on with Vespers. Okay, so Vespers in the office. You asked about my day. Here's yeah. my daily life. I wake up in the morning, my alarm goes off. I hopefully think something smart, like my, my everyday kind of wake up refrain is, tu es domine, qui restitues, hereditatem meam mihi. You are, O Lord, the one who restores to me my inheritance. What is my inheritance? My inheritance, well, first of all, from the anthropological level, is that thing which is before the fall, which is life with God. But also, there is this thing which is the Psalms, which is the beauty of the scripture, which is the glory of being able to say in my heart that I love Christ. And that is my inheritance and my portion, my cup, and all the rest of it. So then I begin my, my day praying matins. And as I pray it today, this is what I do. I do the divine office as it was in 1961. It is long, and I love it. Here's the structure of the office. First, Lord, open my lips, my mouth shall proclaim your praise. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Then, the invitatory antiphon, which changes by the day. Something about something, and let us praise the Lord. Some mystery, and let us praise the Lord. Something theological, saint-wise, whatever, and let us praise the Lord. Then the psalm, Venite. Come, let us adore the Lord. Let us bow down before the Lord who made us that psalm, then a hymn, then an antiphon and a psalm and an antiphon and an antiphon and a psalm and an antiphon and an antiphon and a psalm and an antiphon and an antiphon and a psalm and an antiphon, repeating that nine times, which is not at all bad. I'll get to why in a second. I enjoy it because that's, this is how we know each other, right? I see you, I see your face, and I see the face of my friend. I do not see the face of Christ, but I see the psalms. At the end of the sequence of the Psalms, a little verse, an Our Father, a little prayer, and then another little prayer introducing a reading from Scripture. And this part changes based on the structure, but more or less a reading from Scripture or right. And right now we're in like Second Samuel or something. And um, another little prayer, Scripture, another little prayer, and like if today is a saint day, so then a reading about the saint, and then the hymn Te Deum, which is written by St. Ambrose, more or less, and St. Augustine the night before Augustine was baptized. This is their, their pre-baptismal moment of, let's pray together. Mm. Yeah, we worship you, O God. We acclaim you. Yeah, and then the end. Let us pray. Prayer. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Then, I wake up. I do my things. Is that Matins? That was Matins. That's one thing. That's the beginning of the day. Oh, man, but the rest of it's so good. I know know this is your passion. Yeah. There's Matins, and then there is? Lods. Lods. And it's shorter. And then there's Prime. Prime. And the Prime is fun because it has the martyrology, the story of the saints who died on tomorrow. Okay. And then there's Terce and Sext and Known, and then Vespers. At the end of the day. Compline. When the day is complete. Every day? Yeah. Every day? Yes. Now, 
I know I have mocked um, religious practices for religious practices sake and I still will be, probably because I came out of the Mormon church and think you just did things which Some, is easy to do it's easy to, it's easy to fall into that mm -hmm. but somehow I don't sense you seem to speak with it with such a joy and such love and every time I've talked to you about it and this is just one little element of our conversation you 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 are rejoicing in this with God I hope so yes it is a way to come closer to God because it's scripture it's the source it's the Psalms our Lord prayed with the Psalms I want to ask you guys and girls what do you say? How can, what does it matter? What church histories, practices, rites, rituals, what does it matter when you have people who love God so much that they want to do this? There's, they, I mean, I couldn't do it, but he does it and he loves it. By the and, way, I wanted to make a point saying it's please. not so bad, of course, because it's like the, the Psalms over and over again. It's the same sequence of Psalms day by day, every week. Which makes it worse in my mind. It's killing me. Makes it better. <laughs> Tuesday evening, so this is Tuesday evening. Tuesday evening we had Vespers. I was singing Vespers with my friend over here a little while ago. It's great, it's short. Can we, can we have an example of It's the of that? gradual Psalms. Can we have an example of that? Yeah, sure, why not? So, Come up, Nick. Nick is, please introduce him. So this is my friend Nick uh, Napier from Texas. And he's here this month to uh, do chant stuff with me. You have to step closer to us. There you go. Yeah. Hi, Nick. Hello. So, like, we, we began this evening. Opened up my book. Here it is. My book is falling apart. I lo I've loved this book so much that, the yeah, that happened. Those are all songs, by the way. Yeah. So we began um, just, you know, this is what it looks like. And we were just sitting down, enjoying the evening. Deus nadiotorium eum intende, Domine adjuvandum e festina, Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Alleluia. So that's the entrance, and then the psalm. Qui habitas in celis miserere nobis, ad televavi oculos meos, qui habitas in celis, et cessicut oculis servorum, in manibus dominorum suorum, sicut oculi ancile in manibus domine sue, Ita oculi nostri ad dominum deum nostrum donec miseriatur nostri, and so on. So like that was one, that's, um, um, I lift up my eyes to you who are in the heavens, look as if the hands, uh, as a servant looks up to his Lord, whatever that psalm is, Psalm 122, 121, you know, the gradual psalms, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that set of psalms right there. And it goes on, 122, then 123, then 124, then 125, then 126 and then other things. And then we uh, do a little bit of scripture uh, for the day chosen for the particular saint. And then a hymn. And we sang a hymn, and it was an annoying one. See, I said it's annoying. 
I like your honesty. Can we hear a bit of the annoying one? Deus tuorum illitum, sorset corona premium, laudes canentes martyris, absolven exucriminis, and so on, and so for several verses about the, uh, about the soldier of God who wins the crown through martyrdom, because it's St. Irenaeus today. Bishop and martyr wrote five books against the heretics. The third one is the most fun. Anyway. Well, you both have uh, beautiful voices. <laughs> and so on. Yeah. And just so on and so on and so on. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you, Nick. <clears throat> mass. Then, after all this personal... Oh, yeah, Mass. You hold Mass. Yeah, the daily Mass. The daily Mass. Which is really, really fun, which I like a lot, because the people who go to daily Mass really want to be there. There's no obligation to. It's a Catholic thing. The sacrifice of the Mass, the, ho the holy sacrifice of the Mass, is every day, is continual. How many times a day? So for each priest, the idea is that it be once. I see. Um, in the cathedral, we have a morning mass and an evening mass, 8 o'clock, 5.15. And I have one of them. <laughs> I just want to ask you, uh, Christopher, what would your response be, just knee-jerk response, to someone who says, it's an awful lot of work. This is a lot of work? You've got to be joking me. This is totally not a lot of work. First right. of all, it's a lot of play. Mm. This is play. Mm. This is play. Like, we were singing a second ago. That's play. Mm. Nobody sings for serious. Mm. And if they're singing for serious, mm. I don't know. Mm. Most people I know who, like, sing professionally, mm. like a, a, a singer in, on stage, they're having fun. And yeah. if they're doing it, no, it's not the other thing. I see, I see your approach then. Um, you visit the needy. I've seen you out on the highway in your car. I've seen you. Um, what are you doing over here in West Valley? You know, I'm, I'm, next morning, what were you doing in West Valley? I was visiting this woman. She was dying. You're Actually, in that case, she was dead. <laughs> but, all right. <laughs> there, there, a late. <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. Um, the Latin and you're old school. And when I just say you are old school amidst general priests today, tell the audience what that means. I don't know. You're the one who you're said old school. You're the hipster. <laughs> exactly. If it sucks, it's good. If it requires effort, it sucks. <laughs> and therefore, it's good. And therefore, it's good. <laughs> so you will hold things. You have a number of people uh, that love your approach. You do things longer. You do things older. Yeah, you don't right. do the abbreviated. You Why do would the I? full. Why would you? Exactly. I love this. It's not fun. It's not fun, and it's not authentic in your world. Yeah, because well, there, there are two things at stake there, right? Which is, one, we can do things. And because we can, maybe we should. The second one is, if you're not doing that, are you just being lazy? Are you going to be lazy in the service of God, of the Almighty Lord? Are you going to be lazy? No way. Like, that is certainly a point number one. 
Does, and you and I have had this conversation, does that tend to rise up in you as pride when you look around the world? Oh yeah, totally. indifferent? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're oh, absolutely yeah. pretty much yeah. indifferent to anything that has to do I'm with I'm so God. good, I'm so good, yeah, 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 yeah. And you quickly, so how do you rein that in? I mean, you're doing an awful lot in the name of God. Or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and why am I doing it? Why? The, the why is because I love the Lord. And it's always going to be that. Yeah. And, and if it's not that, just shoot me. Mm. Because it's bad. Because that thing is bad, it is not helpful, it is really ugly, and it is the primary reason why you shouldn't believe. Mm. Mm. If the one who is supposed to love the Lord does not, and they're trying to get other people to love the Lord, they can't. Mm. It's fake. Mm. No, never. I hate that. Mm. Do you feel appreciated? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel all kinds of appreciation. Mm-hmm. I have but I also like the important thing about appreciation and other kinds of constellations like that is just, just yeah. swat it down. Yeah. Don't, don't focus on that. Yeah. I bring that up because some of your parishioners come through Einstein's who have seen you and I uh, talking at <laughs> breakfast and will say, when you're not there, oh, he's, he's so, we love him so much. He, we love his homilies. We love this and that and, and all that. So... Uh, well, we, I guess I how get, are we doing on time? Yeah. Can we? Wow. Can we cover? Can we c- cover a couple topics? Great. Why confession? Okay. Besides that, it's good for the soul. Well, like other than the and who cares? <laughs> <laughs> like if 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 that's if that's the given, like okay then. <laughs> okay. Well, why why can't I just confess to God? Here I am. You know. Why me. can't I confess yeah. to God? Why do I All need right. to come talk? It's so, like why the sacraments? Why the church? Yeah. This is, this is that question. Wrap it up for us. Okay, right. So the, the, simple, the, the simpleton Catholic answer is, well, because Christ left us the church as the way to minister in grace to the people. Okay. okay, so in order to actually have that contact with our Lord, you have to have some kind of contact somewhere. So fundamentally, the idea that is so popular in Protestant circles of having our personal Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is uncatholic. It is contrary to the idea of sacraments. We believe in a mediated relationship through the priest. I mean, ultimately, that's, that's what it is, that somehow through the priest, Christ is operating in the lives of the people being ministered to. I don't mean like right now us talking. I yeah. mean in the form and matter of the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And this is a very dogmatic area of Catholic teaching. And this is like, well, this is the Catholic thing. So there's that. So why confession? For a Catholic who comes to confession and confesses well, completely, and humbly, the priest gives absolution and forgives those sins actually in the name of our Lord fully. The sins are forgiven, not iffy, it's done. So if we want to look at it from the point of view of a user experience, it really minimizes it because, well, I guess that was good, which is totally aleatory. It could be that or something else. Doesn't matter. But that's what the faith is that we have that the sacraments that Christ has left us, mm-hmm. and I say that Christ has left us knowing that is a huge can of nasty worms, nasty worms right there, mm-hmm. that this is the manner in which that happens. Mm-hmm. 
confession is totally one of those that like it has changed a lot over the years. Mm. Like it, the first millennium was very different. That was a long time. But that is why, because it is the ministerial presence of Christ action in someone else's life, mm -hmm. in the life of the faithful, and I could individually see it, and corporately. I can see it as being beneficial if it is used with heartfelt sincerity by somebody that they would feel. And Everything has to be sincere. Yeah. Play has to be sincere. Yeah. And if it's not sincere, take it away. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Eucharist. Yes. Communion. Right. Transubstantiation. Just yes. touch on it. I just have to hit on it. Okay, so aside from the things I just mentioned just now, Christ ministerially present, etc., the incorporation of the faithful into Christ being made present in the Eucharist, Christ being made present on the altars to the faithful, for the faithful, in the most really simple way possible and very, very vulnerable is fantastic on that level. But personally, like this is one of those things where, once again, this is like at the heart of the matter. Oh, the end of the show. Mm -hmm. At the heart of the matter vis-a-vis -vis Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Like that's what the church is. The church is the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. That is what constitutes the church fundamentally. And it's not the, like, the wafer mm -hmm. as such. Mm -hmm. It is not the receiving of it. It is not the eating of it. It is the mysterious presence of Christ there. Mm -hmm. And not in, but as. Mm -hmm. Not part of consubstantiation, but being mm -hmm. that substance changed. Mm -hmm. Body, bud, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, the mystery of faith. I asked a friend of yours, what is the destination of someone who is not Catholic and doesn't receive the Catholic baptism and doesn't believe in Catholicism as the way to God? I don't know how many answers, I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious as to see what you would say. Well, I don't know what the Catholic baptism is, but I'm pretty sure the baptism in Christ is, as he said, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, baptize in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That seems pretty safe enough. Okay. So if that occurs, now the LDS baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, someone sincere in their heart in following God through those means, they receive that baptism. And the question... Oh, right. You actually have to believe in the Trinity? <laughs> okay. Forget Mormon. Go to someone else. <laughs> Go to another one. Yeah, you have to actually believe that what you're saying is understood as like, you know, God, the three and one and one and three, him whom we so praise. This brings you know, me to that, that, that. This brings me to this point is that you guys do take the stuff like, and you're, you're like the LDS, you take your doctrine and your practices seriously. And if you, if, and you're not really too shy to say, if you mess around with us in this area, we don't care about political correctness. We say you're gonzo. You're you're done for. Isn't that right? I mean, I get that from you. I don't know. What am I what am I agreeing to when I, I say I, that? Like like the trinities, like <laughs> soteriology, like water baptism, uh, anything that you guys really put a lot of focus on is really necessary for 
salvation and escaping eternal hell. Wow, are you about to give me the Athanasian Creed right here? <laughs> I'm getting close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So a simpleton doesn't get all those things. Are they damned? No, I don't think so. I hope not. I hope that's not a damnable thing. I don't think I'm a simpleton. I'm talking about me. Okay, all right. Let's talk about you. Throw it out, brother. All right. So, you are someone who searches for the truth. You have searched a lot. You have changed a lot. You have this thing where actually your person is to search for it. That has great value. Merit. I don't know about your state of your soul. Merit does matter. Let me put my soul searching glasses on. Merit does matter. <laughs> Merit does matter a lot. It does matter. Which is why you never hear about it in Catholic churches. It's very, very sad. Huh. <laughs> it's one of the criticisms of Protestantism. Charity. Charity. Yes, and charity. merit. Mercy. Yes. Yeah. Because God. And not just like charity because I say so, but charity of Christ. Mercy of Christ. Grace from God. Those things. Not just because I'm just making it up. Yeah. Uh, I want to wrap up. We have three minutes. Did we, we even f- just talk about the hard questions take now? Break? Not yet. We oh, haven't covered the hard ones. Um, <laughs> let's talk about sin. Let's talk about sin. What is the goal of a Catholic towards sin? And what I mean by what is your job as a priest towards sin in a person's life? All right. First, make sin less. Second, to actually sin less. Third, sin in... W- not so bad ways, you know, to decrease that in quantity and quality. Is it, it's, it's really interesting to me. I mean, that really is an objective of your, and if you're able to have a conversation with Christopher, they w- he'll actually say things like, and I'm paraphrasing, correct me if okay. I'm wrong, All right. this man and woman are living together in sin. Let's work for them not to have as much sin as they live together. Yeah. <laughs> they really do. They start to go down that road. And then let's work together on having them perhaps move apart and not to have conjugal visits too often. Yeah. And then let's work on them, you know, whatever, not, not being uh, sexual at all. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's totally. always somehow taking whatever sin level is there and reducing. Right? And I base that entirely on, well, that's how it works in my life. Yeah. If I want to stop doing something that I don't want to do, that I keep doing anyway, that amazingly, like St. Paul, like me, we do the... Blah, 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 blah. Change it. Change the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Actually make efforts to stop it. But do it in ways that, well, don't just stop. Stop. Rethink. Reevaluate. Change. Try again. Fail. Mm-hmm. Understand why. Reevaluate. Change. Mm-hmm. Try again. Otherwise, you get just left in nowhere land. And in our conversations, I've just learned from you that that is, it's, it's really relentless in your desire as a priest to have people remove the sins of the flesh hey, from their life. The, the, the devil is prowling about the world like a roaring lion waiting for those to devour. Yeah. So, be strong in faith. I can't disagree with that. Good, because it's scriptural. Uh, (laughs) Really quickly, uh, incense. Smells nice. (laughs) I love when you give me answers like that. The robes, the incense, the pointed hats, the swinging of the things. The swinging of the things. I mean, 
bottom line, dude, is this just tradition or is it really steeped in something that God says, I want the swing and other things going on? I mean, huh? Well, does God really want the swinging of the things? Yeah. I think <laughs> I must meditate on this question further. <laughs> this is where we have a great time. Uh, all right. So what is the... W- what is the usefulness of worship to God? Right. What does worship do for God? No, we need it. Right. We need those things. Okay. God is praised in a variety of ways. First of all, by thanks to God, the intelligence that he gave us in our minds. And that is praise of God. Then there's also this thing, which is ritual. And yeah, as Catholics, we embrace that because that's an expression of the faith. Once again, how would you know the faith unless it got expressed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so you can read about things in the book, mm-hmm. but that's not the whole faith. Mm-hmm. There's also the savor of it. Are we not men with senses? We smell, we taste, we see, we feel. And we even feel things in our heart which are beyond the senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that part's important. So as much as I make fun of those people who are going, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever, like hey, whatever you charismatic amazing, Catholics do that too. I know, and it's really silly. And, <laughs> and, and okay, so like if that's doing something amazing for you in your heart, okay, that's amazing. You're fine with that. I'm fine with that. It do doesn't really do that with me, mass? but like there's a reason why that happens. Yeah. There's, there's a natural human aspect there with anthropologically, yeah. it seems, is searching for that yeah I don't God dis- I don't made us that. to know him right, right yeah right. I don't dispute that but I do think that sometimes we get a little carried away uh, really quickly do well, you have people in mass ever do that yeah oh really they'll yeah. do the evangelical yeah. rock concert thing yeah wow it's weird all right we are going to take <laughs> a, a break and come back to the harder questions and I'm getting some other messages here and there and uh, so just watch these and we'll come back with uh, Father Christopher Gray. This is Mallory. Mallory is from California. She is most inspired by all things harmonic. She is the mother of two boys. She is also Sean's daughter. Mallory's done some pretty cool things. Mallory puts the word of God to music. This is Steve. Steve has been in some pretty cool bands. He has his favorite scripture tattooed on his arm. He wears bow ties, and he tells dad jokes, and he thinks they're really funny. Steve shreds on the guitar. Mallory and Steve are two very different people with one very important purpose, to create art for God. If you're so inclined to check them out, remember their names and go here.
Okay, you guys, listen, 801-590-8413, 801-590-8413, and uh, I'm seeing, oh, uh, well, we need to get you mic'd. Mike, we need to get you mic'd. So let me talk to Christopher while this is getting worked out, and then we'll come to the, the questions. I'm, gonna, I'm going to act like I have a stopwatch on you, and you have, oh, no. you have 45 seconds to summarize these topics. All right. Ready? Maryology. Mary, we love this her. She's is wonderful. Mallory. That's Mallory. <laughs> That's Mallory. Malloryology. <laughs> my my daughter Mallory just trumped. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Maryology. Go. Mary is the mother of God. Jesus is God and man. Mary is the mother of God. We worship our Lord. We honor Mary. Not worship. No. Pray to always. Pray to Mary and the saints, and I pray to you, Sean, that we may have a wonderful time. This is the conversations I have. It's unique. If we were able to delve deeper into that, it would open up to unique things. Though always what we're doing here on Heart of the Matter is to break down some prejudices, for you to see someone who takes their faith seriously, to ask yourself, do you in your heart believe Catholic priests? He's going to hell because he spends his life worshiping God and serving people and holding masses and hearing confessions and and studying and singing and praying. No, I'm He's, going to hell because I'm not doing it well enough. Ah, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> that might be his opinion, actually. He might actually believe that. But uh, that's not how the Protestants think of it. They think because some of your practices are a little off, you're off. And, and, and that's what oh, I... Oh, I'm totally off my rocker. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm crazy. Not, I'm as a crazy re, not personally. I'm talking as a representative of... Okay, uh, fine. Okay, okay next one. Uh, immaculate Conception. Teach us. Yes, by a special grace, Our Lady was immaculately conceived. Mary she, was immaculately conceived. Yes, she who held our, the Lord in his fullness, who not the whole world could contain, yet she did. Immaculately conceived. Okay. Just deal with it. Okay, just deal with it. And <laughs> I can deal with it. And uh, so Jesus, people always think Jesus was the Immaculate Conception. How do you describe his conception? No, that's the Annunciation. Just the Annunciation. The Word was made flesh. The Word was Annunciation. The Word became into the world yeah. as man. Yeah. That wasn't conception. That was Annunciation. Yeah. The word was announced and was enunciated into this world. Yeah, well, because that's what words do. They yeah. get spoken. Yeah. Very good. Purgatory. Yes. He, he loves saying yes. By yes. The way. Drives me crazy. <laughs> what about purgatory? Stop it. Explain uh, it. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> purgatory. Do you get out? Yes, absolutely. And so anyone Purga in purgatory, purgatory will get out? Yes, and purgatory will not exist in the end of all things. Okay. And hell, you don't get out, though? Nope. So people in hell don't go to hell, purgatory, purgatory heaven, none no, of that. It's if you are good, if you are heaven worthy, but maybe not perfect yet, you get to work it out in purgatory. In purgatory. To me, that's lake of fire cleansing. I, I, exactly. It's I, the cleansing fire. I get that. And I, I actually believe that. So we're in agreement on that one. Cool. Excommunication without yeah. communicating. Do you actually do that, not communicate with someone you've excommunicated? 
<laughs> I've never excommunicated anyone, oh. and I've seen videos on YouTube of like some weird people excommunicating, like for example, all the faculty of the Gregorian University. That was really fun. That oh. was a great video oh. of these like weird people. Like, That's a purge. Blah 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 blah. It was just some random dudes on the internet. Hmm. Um, also, like there's that scene in Beckett the movie where yeah. they take the the candles like. <laughs> Gone, dead, erased. No, I've never. No, that, that's yeah. not how it works. But you do, or you have participated in, or something exorcisms. I exercise salt all the time. Yeah, you you exercise salt. That was an unusual. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Because then it's exercised and it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. So like the the uh, the, the 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 power to cast out demons. It's in there somewhere. I mean, yeah, the Lord does it. Yes. He does that a lot more than like bread and wine and such. Yeah. So that must be a thing. So I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's not I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying for our audience. No, you but do you usually perform them. No, I usually say uh, you should look into other means of getting better. So when people say people often call me or talk to me or whatever, and they say, "Yeah, I have a spirit. I have a thing." and Next question, are you Catholic? No, I'm not Catholic, but I know that you guys do. Catholics never ask. Oh. It's funny. Oh. No, because the, the question is like, no, if, if you have a problem of a psychological nature or of a nature that's not easily repeatable or of a something, there are other ways which are more accessible to take care of that. If the Prince of Darkness or one of his minions wanted to mess around with us, I think it'd be so super, super subtle as to not really be easy to catch. Uh, that makes more sense. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. And also like tricky. to C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so no Linda Blair. <laughs> Green. <laughs> <laughs> as fun as it is to see, would you mind doing that more? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. This is why people call in. Call on someone. I, I, want, I want to have a fun. I really want to do this live because I wanted to like. I know, but our ever since we went uh, off television, our, our this ha we get viewed later, so we don't have the calls. So which is how I view too. With money, this is I, I, I've been throwing at you over the yeah time money. Been, I've been saying oh, you guys have so much money, and you always say we don't have any money. Yeah. How does it work? Can't serve God and Mammon, man. Do you pass a plate? Yes. You do. We get lots of money in. You do, but do you pass a plate in services? Yeah. Oh. Well, a, a, like a wicker basket, oh. but yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, call Usually it after, after the preaching. After the preaching. Yeah. So when everyone's asleep. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's not a tithe. Some people do practice like tithing, but being a Utah, I don't like the word. It's like, it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's not, there are bad connotations there. Is every Catholic, uh, for instance, Cathedral of Madeline, is it? self-sustaining they you don't get subsidies from the Vatican yeah it's 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 not great so like the uh, subsidies from other places no heck no um, does money go that way yes oh oh so it does go that way but it doesn't come back right but to what purpose to what end yeah right so how do we pay for keeping the lights on yeah and the church warm mm -hmm. or cold or how do you standing or etc. Well, we pass the plate around. Okay. All right. So like that's a lot of it right there, and also to pay for my you know petit bourgeois lifestyle. Yes. Not petit bourgeois lifestyle, yeah. but definitely for my coffee in the morning. You're definitely you know, like, not like, in it's, this it's, for the money. Not in this for the money. No. I know. Yeah. No. But the, the the finances of the church, the primary expense of the church, 
is in the maintenance of the thing, and everything has a footprint. Mm. Here we are in your studio. It has a footprint. It costs something. Yeah, it does. The Pope today. Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew you'd do that. Any other thoughts? The, what, what comes to mind first? Yeah. Uh, Lutheran satire. <laughs> okay. Uh, Peace. Divorce. Don't do it, man. Ever. Maybe you have to. Abortion? Don't. Homosexuality? Come on. Gotta throw it out there. No, I mean, like, no, I'm saying, like, come on. Like, if you. It's a big problem. If if you're coming out of the closet, come on. If you're, et cetera, just. Who are you really? What are you? What are you? You are a human person, okay? All right. Desires, crazy desires. Wants, all kinds of wants. I want all the things. Does that make me like the wanter of all the things? No, I'm a human person. Okay? My sexuality does not define me. Okay. So, um, I think at the Cathedral of Madeline there are homosexuals who attend. Welcome. Well, uh, the studies say that like some percentage between two and eight percent of people in general self-identify as homosexual in some way, whatever that is, so like in, the, in the spectrum, LGBTQ+, whatever, et cetera. So yeah, a lot, of pe- a lot of people come to the cathedral and a lot of people are in a variety of ways. Are they married? I imagine so, it's legal. I sign all these marriage documents with my marriages that I do in the cathedral. It's like spouse one, spouse two, because this is the world we live in. It's kind of funny, we make a little joke about it. But in terms of practicing, in terms of your priestly duties, you would say, you would tell a couple who is homosexual and married, okay, you've made the decision to marry, I would suggest you don't consummate because you're trying to reduce the amount of carnality in yes, life. Yes, yes. That's how you Ab- would? Yeah, if, if, if that was where the question was. Maybe that's not where the question is. Okay. Maybe that's not where we can have the conversation. Right. Maybe we have to talk about other things first. Maybe sure. we have to talk about like a, a nice garden and a lovely dog and blah, 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 blah. Sure. And that's worthwhile too because frankly, and maybe this is just tactics and maybe that's just a terrible thing to talk about, but we have to be human here. Sure. And people have where they are in their lives and that must be respected. Mm-hmm. And we have to also move towards sinning less. Mm. So it's a dual, well, more than dual, multifaceted. Uh, how do we be human to each other? Well, it's hard apparently. Bizarrely. In your opinion, what's better, a baptized, Ooh, yeah. attending Catholic who really just shows up because that's the church they belong to, or someone who would never follow Catholicism, who devotes their life to seeking God and, and serving others in love? I find integrity in the latter, not in the former. Integrity is very important because it's the heart that God is seeing. Hey, he is the one who knows the heart more than I do, that's for sure. But I also want people to be baptized. (laughs) I want that too. I want it. I know you do. Uh, Here we have an off-air question. Terry asks, is prayer the same as worship? This is for you, brother. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but honestly, taking taking the question, I'm sorry, I I don't mean to flip into thank you for the question. That is a wonderful question. It's such a wonderful question. Why can't everything be worship? 
Why can't getting coffee in the morning be worship? It's not exactly prayer. Why can't driving down the freeway be worship? Why can I not give glory to God by not being a jerk? In fact, isn't it a wonderful thing when, in the context of many people together, we are able to cooperate? That's kind of what driving is supposed to be. That's not prayer. Can that be worship? I hope so. I think that every part of a person's life can be consecrated. I don't, I don't mean that in like a, like a bathroom humor kind of way, obviously. Like, no, come on, don't, don't go. Don't ever think about that. We are made for this kind of communion with God. Again, we're Catholics. We believe in the Eucharist, and that means a lot. Yeah, yeah it's the whole thing. Carlos asks, can you ask the priests, can you ask why priests absolve sin if Jesus paid for them? Because they're still sinning. I still sin. When did he pay? This is a question I do have. Okay, all right. When is the, when is the, like the atonement, right? When did he do it? Yeah. Is doing. Is doing. He has saved you. He is saving you. He will save you. Still on the cross. Hey, sacramentally through the sacrifice of the altar, mm. being still presented. Mm. For now and forever, Christ's sacrifice is perfect and eternal. This is part of the idea of Catholic heaven, the ha idea of heaven, not the Simpsons heaven, which is like just a mariachi party all the time, mm -hmm. but uh, that there is in heaven an eternal liturgy of Christ offering himself to the Father in an act of perfect love. That, in fact, this is what's trying to be represented by the Mass. It's not necessarily exactly the cross in its bloody, awful, terrible thing, mm -hmm. but rather this, the eternal sacrifice of the Son to the Father. Mm. Yeah. Constantly is, being is, offered. Is saving. Is saving. Yeah. Not has saved. And, ha and has saved. And has. Yes, and. Has and is. And will. That's why the crucifix instead of just the cross. I don't know about that. That's, that's, ask, ask a Protestant that question. Well, they're the ones who say it. So. I believe in art. I'm a Catholic. Yeah, you do believe in art. I know that. I believe in making everything holy. Make question, it holy. Yeah. A, a question here. Can you as a Catholic pray directly to Jesus not going through Mary and ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins? Sure. Sure. I love when you give me the, I mean, like, the, the answer is yes. yes. I want to pray. I love praying to our Lord Jesus. I love praying to our Lord Jesus on the cross. I love praying to our Lord Jesus in the manger. I love praying to our Lord Jesus in the womb of his mother. Why not? So. Yeah. Not only to certain people, to all kinds of people, to different parts of their lives that recalling, like pray to the wound in the side of Christ. Why not? Let me be inside of it, O oh Lord. Let me be close to you. Where the lance went, I want to go to, to your heart. You know, like, yeah. Like, that's devotion right there, right? Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to think about. Uh, this is someone who's quoting the CCCs with numbers after it. Yeah. The Catechism of the Catholic Church. There you go. Are you doing what is necessary to be saved? In Roman Catholicism, that which is necessary for salvation includes the Church, CCC 846, Baptism, uh, 1257, Penance, 980, Sacraments, 1129, Service and Witness to the Faith, 1816, Keeping the Ten Commandments, 
2036, and detachment from riches, 2556. And also hopefully in there being a good person. So is that a CCC as well? <laughs> <laughs> the catechism is a big brick. It's kind of like the size of my breviary over here. And it has a lot in it, and it's pretty, you know, it's, it's good. I love pulling it out and slapping it on a table because it makes a big sound. But also because there's lots of good stuff in there. So where I am just uh, so deburdened from religion in my life, from books and demands, <sighs> and Jesus still suffering and, and all of that. Yeah, how uh, many weeks of Revelation did you do, Sean? A hundred. Uh-huh, okay, <laughs> no burden, nope. That's the, I'm teaching, <laughs> I'm teaching, but the thing is, I, The Lord's burden asking, is light, Sean. In terms of trying to sanctify myself, be mm. approved by of God, be forgiven for sin, die and go to heaven stuff, Favor and grace, yes. Yes. It seems, respectfully, heavy. It seems really heavy in terms of demands, especially on you. Whatever. Going to the grocery store is something that I can't do right. That's heavy. I can't go to the grocery store and plan out what I'm going to eat and then actually buy the ingredients and actually make a thing for it, which is why, once again, petit bourgeois priest over here, I do the blue apron thing. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, I, I can't handle those things. That's heavy, that's hard. Okay. Thankfully, my mother is still alive. Oh boy, oh boy. But the, the general complaint with people who leave Catholicism, well, this isn't the best place to go to, but it's, it was just so, I was so guilt-ridden. I could never, yeah. I could never be right. I was always going and confessing. I was always- Boy, oh boy. And that is something, Sean, I am so, Sorry. To, any, to anyone who feels that way, I am so sorry. Explain why you're sorry. Because it's, it's, it's not you who failed us, we failed you. Because something about the gospel was distorted. Because that is not the gospel. Mm. The gospel is not pain and suffering and guilt. Mm. The gospel is love. Mm. That's great. I mean, it has to be, right? Otherwise, what on earth did our Lord teach us? Right. So then the follow-up is because you have the gospel, you want to worship God in these ways and live these ways that aren't burdens, like you say. They're play. And make it real. And make it real. Yes. Jeff asks, what is the Father's position on the Protestant churches? I used to be a organist for a Lutheran church. I, li I liked it a lot. They made a lot of sense. Well, you know, they're kind of half in and half out. Yeah, exactly. And there was the Missouri Synod too, so it was like more in. See, I knew. I knew you weren't really... Go ahead. But I also played for the uh, Bountiful Community Church. That's UCC, and that's like all kinds of weird sometimes. Okay. All kinds of weird. All well, it changes all, 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 every time. It's different, you know? But they do have some nice hymns. Uh, I love the Protestant churches in the sense that it is a great way to remind what are the real critiques why is Calvin wrong? Why is Luther, God bless his soul, so painfully mistaken? Okay, good. Jet Boss asks, what is the biblical proof for the ascendancy of Mary? Now people are starting to get well beyond my pay grade. It's not in there. <laughs> I love when you do that too. 
It'll just flat out. I can't tell you why. Forget about it. No, no, it. I didn't say I can't tell you why. I just told you it's not it's in not, there. It's not present. No, it's like, thank you for the question so much. And it's an important question, but it's also one that will never have a satisfactory answer because you're asking a question that does not exist in reality. There is no scripture that includes the, in this case, assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. But there is a wonderful passion play in the city of Elche in Spain in these days, next month, where since the medieval times, a beautiful thing has happened in the church. One of these great, you know, old fashioned plays. It's mm. great. Mm. And what happens is that this contraption comes out of the ceiling with some people singing on it, this really silly song, <laughs> and Jesus. and takes up Mary into the ceiling. Wow. And it's called the pomegranate. Oh, I think they borrowed that from Bon Jovi back in the 80s. Hey, and now it's a United Nations World Heritage, <laughs> you know, for, it's a thing. Uh, yeah. Is it, po I know the answer to this. Is it possible to lose your salvation in Roman Catholicism? Are you doing enough good works to keep yourself, you, uh, Father Christopher Gray, saved? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Um, I'm pretty sure that salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone. I don't have to do those things. Uh, Christ is taking care of that. Is taking care of that in the present progressive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is distinct for Catholicism. It might be uh, the same for Orthodoxy, but that's definitely different than Protestantism. Yeah. Since the face, uh, this one a view of orthodoxy. We had a guest here who was spouting orthodoxy as the only way. It's the way. He's turned on everybody else. You've got to become orthodox or you're not with God. How sad is that? Yeah. How sad is that? You know, I don't like schism. I don't. I want us to all be one as the Father and the Son are one that we may know him who is the true God and all that. I want that. But we also live in a world of diversity, of different expression, of different thought, of disagreement. Something about us is disagreeable with each other. This is, this is normal. And yet, can we also not overcome that? I hope so. So having said that, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, all right. Am I your brother in the Lord? Oh, yeah. Not a, not a question. Not a question. I think more so than many other people that I know. Mm, that's fascinating. I find, so like Sean, honestly, I, I find my relationship with you to be more fulfilling and more rich in grace than with many priests I know. Mm. And I don't mind saying that. You said a lot. I, I hope uh, the things he shared have given everybody some, some are we wrapping up? Love. I don't, I don't have any... Okay, well, okay. Oh, wait, no. Hack right. Neo. Wait, Hack Neo. Hack Neo. Hack the planet. Asked, do Catholics right. believe in pre-existence like Mormons do? No. 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 Do you believe in pre-mortal anything? I thought you and I had a talk about this once. No, but I did give my friend Nick a book of the history of the world from pre-mortality to the present age. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, pretty it, cool. It was really cool. It's really cool. Awesome. No, but so, yeah. God does not have to be limited by what has been. This, uh, this, this thing that men and women do for the creation of new life is actually the creation of new life. Yeah. That God is their That's present. Right. I don't need God is their present in that, which is why, frankly, that should be really, really holy. 
It is an amazing thing to participate with God in the creation of new life. So either that's a good thing, and that's what's happening, or that's kind of a perfunctory thing, and it just has to happen. I think it's a good thing and holy. You love Jesus. Delaney, use your microphone. Yeah, you have, you have a mic? Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's Mike. Mike, you have a question? Didn't we have? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Good question. Yes. Sean hears the word of the Lord and keeps it. And does that mean that he is my brother and my mother and my sister indeed and my brother indeed and my father? Like, it, it seems that the, the discriminator is not in the practice. Because, in, like, truthfully, even the way in which I present myself as a Catholic priest is distinct from the way in which others present themselves as a Catholic priest. It's not the same. They're not me. I'm not them. I'm Christopher Gray. That's just who I am. That's my spirituality. My spirituality is my spirituality. It's not a universal spirituality. So something that really have to get away from, especially in the world today, is this idea that everything is subject to a categorical imperative. My way is not the only way. And I, as a Catholic, don't feel like I'm selling out anyone by saying, my way is not the only way, because my way in Catholicism is not the only way in Catholicism. And you kind of touched on that when you said, well, you know, it's baptism of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If you've had that, you, you allowed that to be outside of the uh, receiving it within Catholicism. You, you kind of said, okay, if, you know, when it comes to baptism and the importance of it. Uh, so um, I think that's really interesting. Uh, well, how about anybody else? Come on, you have a chance to ask a Catholic priest your question that's nod at you. Forever. I'll tell you a funny answer. Or make it up. Does the that local prophet and the Pope take the eyes off Jesus? Like go up to Jesus and... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Give him some rope and he goes. I'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my next appointment is at HaHa's down the street. Okay. Do people look at the Pope? with too much adoration and take the eyes Papo Latry yeah yeah you think so yeah absolutely anyone like, like to be famous on earth does not necessarily to be famous in heaven mm. uh, these things are not the same thing um, I think that true fame in heaven i.e. being known to God in a good way <laughs> and grace those things are the important things now there are people in the world who are honest-to-goodness prophets who should be followed. We look at them, we call them saints sometimes, we call them all kinds of things. The nature of the Pope is an interesting, is an interesting little question. There is something about Peter which is very inherently important to the Catholic idea of things. Mm -hmm. The saint I was mentioning before whose feast day is today um, in the old calendar but not that old of a calendar, but whose feast day was also last week. Irenaeus? Irenaeus. Irenaeus. He made this thing, he made this distinction, this really cool phrase that 
Where there is the church, there is the faith. Where there is the faith, there is the spirit. Where there is the church, there is the spirit. Mm. Several centuries. So, like, this is in the second century yeah. when he's writing this. This is a long time ago, and it's great stuff. Mm. Several centuries later, another very wise man named Leo said, Where there is the church, there is Peter. Where there is Peter, there is the church. Mm. And there is eternal life. And, and all the other things. He was like very much basing it off of what Irenaeus, Irenaeus had already said. It was like he had it sitting there right in front of him. So the, the, the point of Peter, of, of that office, is also to say, yes, that is the church. The church is. There's a part where the church is in our hearts. It truly is. The gospel is in our hearts. But it also, because we are human, fleshy, real people, with bodies in a physical world, it's nice to be able to say, and also a good remembrance that it does exist, there is the church. So I hope the Pope doesn't take his eyes off Jesus, but my faith is not dependent on his. Good. Oh, Richard. Yeah, well, it's just struck me that I don't, I don't know if I can even think of anyone that I know as an adult who's converted to Catholicism. Um, it seems like most of the, the Catholics that I know were born into this family. Um, is, do you do like a missionary outreach like that? Like, like uh, trying to make converts? I mean, is it a difficult prop? You have to be circumcised or something? Is that why? <laughs> we're really bad at it, first of all. Um, most people who come to the Catholic Church do it because they themselves have decided to come to the Catholic Church. And that's a really wonderful thing. Um, every year at Easter, when converts are received into the church, uh, when catechumens are baptized and candidates are confirmed and all, the, all, all of that, it is a huge joy, truly is. And it happens at Easter, primarily. And there are a lot. I wish I had the numbers for the Diocese of Salt Lake City this year. But it's going to be a couple hundred who came into the Catholic Church around here this year. And that's pretty much the way it is every year. People do come to the Catholic Church. People convert. They find something in it, and they hold on to it, and I hope they keep holding. Uh, my, now, part of my, 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 I have a little bit of a hesitancy there, because I always hope that they're holding on to the right thing. Because sometimes people will come into the Cathedral of the Madeleine, for example, and say, oh, the windows are so beautiful, I want to be a Catholic. Well, that's maybe not the best of reasons. It's a starting place, and I'm happy to work with anything. But it has to progress. The faith has to grow. The faith that doesn't grow, I don't know about that. If it's not growing, it's falling backward. But you also asked, uh, is there any special procedure like of the medical variety. No, no, no. Nope. <laughs> You're not brisk trained. Nope. Don't got to do that. Not part of my repertoire. Not in my bag of tricks. Oh, okay. And then, um, uh, oh, years ago we did a show about Mormons and how the LDS are always talking about by your fruits, you'll know them. And they always talk, they, you love that and they're fruits. And we yeah, actually I know. did. I was recently looking that phrase up 
oh. on Google. It's like, and then like L all these LDS.org LDS, things. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. Wow, okay. But all we right. dedicated a show to weighing the fruits, the good fruits of Mormonism in comparison to Catholicism. Mm. And I know you guys have had a huge jump on them, but in terms of like the establishment of medical centers, universities, art and humanities, it's like you've, it, it, it was like. Did we invent those things? No, but you certainly, <laughs> you certainly, I mean, it's, it's like impressive. It's like beyond Judaism, your contribution as a church to those humanitarian. Uh, and what's really weird is that a lot of those things came out of a kind of, you know, clerical caste almost, mm. where you had people dedicating their lives to the church and also like inventing the blast furnace yeah. in the Middle Ages. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it's a beautiful thing and I'm very thankful to have that as a patrimony. Mm. Not something I see as being worth a lot in the judgment of the world, mm. but definitely, certainly a means. Mm. It is good to have people be healthy in mind and body. Mm -hmm. It is good to be able to teach things. Mm. Learning is always a good. Mm. That which causes us to grow is good. Art is an expression of humanity in a sublime way. Mm. You, you, that phrase you use a lot, I'm realizing it, Ooh. is good. It's good. Is good. I don't know. You like that. I, like, I also like good. Genesis 1. Yeah. It's good. It's good. He made it and it's good. Where in the scriptures do you find that the emblems of Christ live? <laughs> I think we're starting to get it. Patrick wants to know this. Where in Scripture do you find that the emblems of Christ literally turn into the blood and body of Christ? Well, like there's that part in John chapter 6 where he talks about that and then lots of people like fell away because it was too hard of a teaching. Yeah. And then he says like, it's this. And he says it again, it's this. Yeah. And many left him from that point forward. Yeah. Patrick, that wasn't a, that wasn't a well thought out question. He says, eat my body, drink my blood. I mean, it's... It's, I mean, of course, I know you don't of, see it it's, that it's way. It's kind of gross in the way he says it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like really... Mm. Off-putting. All right, Christopher. But thank you, Patrick, though. Um, I don't see any more questions here. I'm out of there, but I would like you to just, um, I don't know, just sort of summarize your pitch. I'm going to just put it that way. My pitch. For, I know you can summarize your pitch for the Lord and for a holy life and for pursuing God. But I want you to uh, pitch Catholicism. Okay. Yeah. Catholicism is great. We have real sacraments. We love the Lord, and we do so by means that are visible and known and knowable. The tradition behind it is long, and it is something that I have been given that has been a benefit to me. I want people to be happy, and it's given me a great deal of happiness, and it's been a struggle. And that's also one of those things where even in the struggle, it has been a happiness because there is sacrifice. Amen, brother. I really appreciate you being on the show. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. Thank and, you. And I look forward to seeing you uh, probably tomorrow. Yeah, thank you. you walk up and say, may I sit? Yeah, I, I hope so. Thanks. Thank you. God bless you, Father. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.